Welcome to another episode of We Are HR. I'm Anita Vaughan, your host today. I'm the Gen General Manager of HR Partners for Victorian South Australia. Um, and I'm very pleased to welcome our guest today, Liz Waldock, Chief People Officer for Sportsbet. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Um, and um, for our listeners, we've got a number of topics that we're going to wander our way through. But maybe just to start off with a little bit about your role, Liz, um, and maybe the two-minute version about your career so that we can get some perspective on the view yeah. that you've got I'll give today. you two minutes because if it's any longer, you, you know, that will probably <laughs> give away my age. I'm calling um, the longer <laughs> version, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at Sportsbet. At the moment, I've been at Sportsbet for the last six years, which um, has actually been the longest company I've been with um, you know, in my career, which mm-hmm. says something about the organisation and what we're doing, and it is really an exciting place to be. So I'm, I look after the HR function at Sportsbet, and Sportsbet is actually uh, um, a company that's owned by an Irish company called Paddy Power Betfair. So we were, Sportsbet was acquired back in 2012, mm-hmm. um, and we operate kind of autonomously um, with that, but looking to Paddy Power in terms of how we leverage kind of the global scale that they have to support us. Um, with multiple brands, I'm assuming. Multiple brands right. and um, that, yeah, a number of acqui- acquisitions across um, the globe. So, um, you know, we've uh, recently made a, an acquisition called Ajarabet and in the States there's a, a market that's really increasing in our space. Um, which means, you know, it's great for us mm-hmm. and I think, you know, an organisation of when I started back in 2012, which was 250 people, I think we had about 300,000 customers to where we are today. We've got 700 people and over a million customers, wow. active customers a year. So gross. it's That's grown gross. massively. <laughs> and um, But now it's kind of how we do things, you know, better and leverage what we have globally mm. which for us is you know it, it is great and it's but it, do, it does change the dynamic of how the organization operates and how we need to work um yeah but prior to that i was um i worked for census i worked um there in many roles over a, a number of years um and prior to that worked for a range of different organizations in the mining industry worked for rio tinto I had a period of time where I set up and started my own business. So right, um, that's brave. What did you do? Completely outside of my professional realm. Non HR related. Non HR. I actually, um, if you know Sumo Salad, which is a franchise, yes. yeah. So I set up um, one of the first stores in Melbourne, which was in Galleria, and a second one in QV. So that was certainly a massive learning experience wow. for me. Um, mm. But you came back to corporate world. So the intention was I would set them up, put some managers in place and go back to mm. my corporate role. Mm. Um, I couldn't see myself mixing mm, salads, salads. <laughs> um, you know, seven days a week. And <laughs> for anyone that has a small business and runs a small business, it's very hard. Um, you know, if you have a family, uh-huh. I've got two, two young girls and um, at the time I didn't, but I knew actually if I was going to have a family, that wasn't going <laughs> to help me out working seven days a week. So... Um, yeah, so I kept the business, moved back into my um, professional role mm. and I sold that off a, a few years ago. But, um, you know, from actually working, you know, in a very um, specific discipline to mm. work in a business that you've actually got to, you know, from kind of negotiating loans with banks to, purchasing you know, food purchasing food, actually serving food and, you know, managing team members. It was a whole, you know, it, mm. it was certainly... Um, 
taught me a whole lot. What a great perspective, though, on HR. I've always said that mm. people who've worked, and this is, again, my personal opinion from many years in HR and recruitment, eight years at HR partners, mm. specifically HR recruitment, some of the best HR professionals have had a stint in what I call in the business. Yeah. So they're not sitting on the peripheral. They're actually sitting there dealing with customers and P&L yeah. and the challenges, and it gives them a different perspective when it they does, work with their yeah. stakeholders. I think it's amazing. Yeah. I think everyone should have a year out, even if it's supported by the corporate, but go yeah. and have a year out and do a rotation somewhere um, in a different business, not even the the one that they're providing yeah. HR to, just to get a get Yeah, in an operational role. Or yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, you know, it is a great lesson and um, does give you a better perspective and understands, you know, mm. actually going back into then your HR role. All of those things that you need See to the consider. World yeah. What do you think it gave you? If you could think of two things that it gave you going back into HR in the corporate, what did you um, bring that was different or better or stronger from your entrepreneurial? Yeah, experience? I think it just firstly how business runs. Like you know, you can be quite sheltered and um, think you know how businesses run, mm-hmm. but actually mm-hmm. being in one and act- you know, looking at day-to-day sales and how you're going to manage your cost of goods, you know, that operational experience is invaluable. Um, I think maybe just the, the varied experience and learning that you have to do really quickly mm. and be able to change that really quickly. So kind of what you're doing today, tomorrow may be completely different. So, mm. you know, often in corporate roles, you're working on projects that take, you know, a, a period of time and you're setting the plan and that's fixed, but actually, you know, you've got to change and be agile working in a small business. Um, so that's probably the other thing. Yeah, and and what about an empathy film? Did it give you more empathy for your stakeholder groups? Um, absolutely, than you had before? absolutely. In mm. you know, you know, dealing with customers face to face. That's you know, one thing that it, um, you know you have to have empathy for your customers and that's often hard when you're trying to run a business <laughs> as well. And also, um, I think just that for, so I'd been in leadership roles before, but this was, you know, mm-hmm. leading from rostering to managing team members. Mm-hmm. And for leaders, you just forget about, as, you're, as a HR professional, actually the multitude of things that you ask them to do as a leader. And it's actually, you know, it's, you're spinning, you're spinning <laughs> like yeah. hats everywhere trying yeah. to juggle um, what's happening. So it just it did give me some empathy around, you know, as a leader, face-to-face, dealing with the team day-to-day, yeah. kind of all the things that you had to do. Mm. I have, I completely understand because of the role I'm in now, when you manage a P&O and you manage a team and the sales and marketing and the customers and the customer strategies mm. and your product and your product can change its mind. Mm. It can wake up one day and go, I don't feel like doing yeah. that anymore. <laughs> Whereas... If we could sell photocopiers or sell a product that, you know, there was some so, fixed yes. piece in the sales cycle, whereas in, um, at, you know, recruitment, yeah. the, the customer changes their mind, the roles change, the industry changes, That's and right, the individuals change their mind. Everything's yeah. in constant flux. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what about yeah. you, um, in your current role at Sportsbet, how big is your team? And tell me yeah. a little bit about your remit there. And I, I really love that you've got Chief People Officer title. I think yeah. that's a recognition by an organisation of the importance of the role yeah. of the people function. So I think that's awesome yeah. and well done if you've been part of creating and shaping so that too. Yeah, so, you know, when I started at Sportsbet, um, you know, the HR team was very small and their focus primarily at the time was about recruitment because mm. we were growing and we were, we were getting bigger. Um, however, the, the CEO at the time, uh, Cormac Barry, um, understood in terms of the direction of the organisation and how what we needed to do to scale and he 
um, recognised the role that HR played in that um, in that process and kind of went about building a HR team. So Tanya Roboto, who um, is my manager, she's currently on maternity leave mm-hmm. at the moment, um, she moved in and I, I started not long after her. And really the next few years were about just investment on building infrastructure and scaling um, the, the people agenda. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can honestly say that the the investment and the genuine um, uh, care for and importance, the role that, that HR and, and the people agenda plays in the organisational strategy is amazing at Sportsbet. And within the HR function for many years, we actually kind of drove that, that strategy process of the organisation, not just of the people agenda, but the whole organisation. And, you know, awesome. for me, you know, being part of that mm. and understanding and walking away every day going, actually can feel and I can see the impact that we're having on the organisation and how it's moving is mm. something that's really rewarding and I guess over time the uh, um, the business evolved and actually up in last year Tanya her role extended to she was chief people and customer officer so she actually had an extended remit across both the HR function the people function and that's since been split and um, hence my role as chief people officer and that was really around how we started to connect what we did and how we um, led our organisation and the people people function and how we connected people to deliver outcomes for our customer. And I think um, it was a really big turning point for Sportsbet for us to understand what is the importance and how do we create that change um, within the business. With, an, with the industry changing as it was, so a whole range of competitors, mm-hmm. people, you know, are probably very aware of you know there's a range of competitors in the wagering industry um, from smaller startups, from smaller startups really to large, ones, to large yeah. uh, ones to you know global players coming in and buying mm. some of those smaller uh, organizations and our customers are you know they're smart they're um, they are not as loyal as what mm. you know they were previously mm. they can literally if they're not having any great experience on an app I'll just open mm. another app mm. and download that and uh, and start with another competitor. Mm. There's, you know, we're heavily in a heavily regulated environment where changes are happening constantly. Mm. Um, you know, which impact for both from a cost point of view, but also uh, what we can and can't do within in can the and industry. Can't say and yeah. yeah. So yeah. for all for, for us, all of those things were, um, you know, I guess really important to consider. You know, what does that mean for for, for sports bet and particularly when you know, our competitors can really replicate anything that you do within the technology that we have. If we put a product out, literally they could replicate that mm. and, and deliver that. Mm. So what was the key for our customers staying with us? And it wasn't just about kind of the promos we did or the products that we had. The thing that could really differentiate us was the experience that, that mm. they had with Sportsbet that mm-hmm. would be differentiated from other competitors. So. For us, the importance of really creating that great experience for our customers, um, and we can only do that through our people. Absolutely. So yeah. it's the, the touch point, and um, how do you influence them through every? We had a, a speaker came and talked a little bit about all the moments that matter right. for a customer, for an employee. So it's the same thing, isn't it? It's mm. one of those moments that you can have an impact. That's right. They're not, and they're not usually our windows. They're moments. Moment. They're very small little t- pieces of time. And it's hard when it's a purely online business so mm. there is a very small percentage of customers that we actually have 
kind of physical yeah, contact face, yeah. with most of them are over uh, over the internet so how do we help our team members understand what is important to our customers and therefore they're thinking about that as they're making decisions in their day-to-day so as they're building a product how am I thinking about what the customer wants mm. and how do I connect mm. to that um, so yeah we've spent a lot of time trying to understand that and understand uh, is our culture set up to create that environment of mm-hmm. helping people become customer obsessed mm-hmm. and thinking about Which how I love, by the way, customer <laughs> obsessed is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important. It is important because, you know, businesses are there for a greater purpose than just making money. You know, our purpose is bringing excitement to life and that's bringing excitement to life for our customers. And if we don't know how to bring that excitement to life for our customers or can't help our team members do that, then, you know, it's very hard to achieve your purpose. So... Yeah, we went about last year um, kind of understanding kind of what culture do we currently have, what do we need as mm-hmm. we kind of move through into this, um, you know, this future environment and landscape and um, we started to understand what that aspirational culture was and therefore what are the values and behaviours that are going to support that. Mm. So out of that we um, we have six new unique values mm-hmm. and... Um, one of those is customer first and last. So that is where we really focus team members on understanding understanding our customers, understanding what they can do within their role to connect to our customers and create the right outcomes and make the right decisions for our customers. Um, and yeah, throughout last year, I guess we launched our values, we started to embed them, but this year, 2019, is all about how do we really embed those values mm-hmm. into the business? Like, you know... I know organisations are doing this all the time and literally... With varied levels of success, I must add. Yeah. and It can sound sexy and it can sound implemented and sound like it's been brought to life and a couple of surveys are run to say, yeah, look, we've brought it to life. But I, you know, very... I I agree. (laughs) And I think, you know, you can go into a whole range of organisations and see these beautiful posters on the wall (laughs) and they're pretty much that's as far as they go. And often the wording is actually the same. So kind of really connection with your team members around what does that actually mean to me? Mm -hmm. So... We're very conscious that, that, you know, we need to know that, you know, our culture is evolving and is being brought to life. And there's a whole range of ways you can do that. And part of it is actually launching and creating those visible symbols and signals around what the culture is. But more importantly, it's the mechanics that you put in place to embed that culture into what you do day to day. So I kind of think of but is kind of codifying a culture mm-hmm. into um, into the way you work. And that that's through all of your systems, your processes, you know, the way you recruit, the way you recognise people, the way you reward people, the environment that you create that represents the culture. All of those things we consider as our mechanics and we implement our culture and the values through those mechanics. Mm. So it's, um, it was big last year, but I think this year is going to be even bigger with, you know, how we go about... Um, embedding that into our business and then how to measure it yeah so do you ask the customer you know are we better to deal with do you know what's the measure of of, of that I think it's It's a (laughs) it's a really great question and I think people often stop short in that process so they stop short of a survey an internal survey do Do you like working here absolutely (laughs) and that's yeah that can tell you whether people are happy or satisfied about Mm -hmm. their their job but you know and you can also I guess assess internally against the culture are we making progress Mm -hmm. do people resonate with the values that are there and are we making progress but actually the outcome is what is a customer experiencing Mm. um 
and one of the things that we do now so we always communicated and um, our monthly results to team members mm -hmm. and that was primarily financial results we have since august last year since we we launched our values actually lead with a customer dashboard so it's a whole range of metrics on how our customers are feeling and the impact that we're having on our customers so metrics like propensity to contact so mm -hmm. um you know we know if our propensity to contact is going up we're doing something wrong we're either not communicating with them we're not giving them you know what what they're asking for we're kind of delivering promos that don't land with them mm. or we've got an app that's actually not doing what it's supposed to be doing so therefore people need to contact us so it's a really good metric for us to understand are people doing the things in their mm. job that's helping create a really great customer experience mm. Mm. yeah so it's um i think what an um, interesting journey you're on it is yeah mm. but it's exciting it feels like the you've done the groundwork now for the culture piece and now it's, you're in the embedding phase yeah. of the um of the culture change yeah um there two things that came to mind when you're talking one is about business rhythms yeah. so when you when businesses are making change they often will do a launch yeah um followed by a check-in every quarter how are we yeah. tracking to values and maybe another yeah. survey but embedding the cultural change into business rhythms which yeah. would include um is it talked about at team meetings all through the yeah. organization is it talked about in the lunchroom is it, is it just a poster yeah. um do we talk to our customers about our value systems yeah. and have they noticed a difference? And again, probably more challenging in the digital tech space that yeah. you're in. But we've, we have other clients where they've actually, HR, have um, had a measurable to go and spend time with a customer yeah. and say, what do you like working about with us? And what do you yeah. think about our people? And what are your favourite things about our people? And what are the things yeah. you don't like about our people? And how can we change this to give you a better experience? And that's formed a huge part of the feedback in creating the change that they want through yeah. sitting with the customer which yeah. I think is just amazing and it's, but so necessary it's, it's logical but often difficult to put into place it is and I think there's nothing better than actually sit you know for me actually sitting on a call with a customer so double jacking one of our customer service mm. agents and just hearing what customers mm. are ringing up about like it mm. informs me you know not coming from a kind of wagering background um, mm. or a punter myself mm. um, it's a great insight into how a customer feels mm. And we actually do, we kind of specify for for all our team members to, we've got a whole menu of how you can get closer to the customer. So whether it is double jacking, mm. whether it's, um, we have a session where you act, we actually do meet our customers, it's called Pints with Punters, and we, oh. you know, they kind of sit around a room and share their, their insights mm. on using our products. Um, we, ha we run a couple of sessions through our traders around um, a kind of, the betting industry and how wagering and how it works. So there's a whole range of mechanisms that people can actually, whilst they, they mm. don't see customers day to day, can actually connect in with them. Mm. Yeah. And I have a curious question. Yes. <laughs> um, how much wagering is how much of the wagering is a part of your employee culture? Mm. So are there are people on their apps in their lunch mm. breaks? Is it is it quite yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because it's you know me, I'm not, but mm. certainly we get a. There's a lot of excitement around heightened times like Melbourne Cup that sure. we you know the we have like that, yeah. any other organisation we have some internal sweeps. Um, we do, however, have every one of our team members um, has a test account, so they can test with kind of pretend dollars to find out like new products that we launch, yeah, how are they going. Um, and that's, I think that's really useful. And we do competitions through that, which is called Be the Customer, and there's various competitions where people 
a challenge to do different things and, and can win prizes on that. Um, I would say anecdotally that, you know, people are interested in our industry um, because of either interest in sport, wagering or racing. You know, that that, yeah, sure. um, that is, uh, people are attracted that are interested in that. However, because it's a, a, a pure play online business, we get a lot of interest from technologists mm. and um, analysts and the work mm. that we do attracts, you know, really high caliber talent around that. And they're not necessarily, you know, that's not necessarily their bag in, in terms yeah, sure. of doing that. So I think it's actually, it's probably no different to any other mm. business in terms of the number of people that uh, are punting themselves. Awesome. Yeah. And does it come into play from a talent acquisition perspective too? Do you have people who are, um, that's a really big draw card so the candidates you get are, are mm. highly engaged in what the business does or do you get some resistance around wagering business uh, and um, yeah, I think not it's, I think it's a Yeah, it's mixed. We de definitely, you know, people that apply are definitely passionate about sports mm. bet in some way or another, mm. whether it is through the discipline that they're working in or whether it's through um, the actual product. Um, I would guess though that there's, you know, a a portion of people understanding kind of the community perspective on yeah. um, on wagering that there is some polarisation in terms yeah. of what mm. you know from mm. one end to the other on that and it probably does impact kind of the number of people that we yeah, um, acquisition we, yeah mm. Mm. yeah and I think that you know that you need your values need to be aligned to the organisation's values mm. to to join so I you know, for us, our values are really important for people to understand as they're coming into sports. But um, an alignment there will mean um, a totally different level of engagement, and yeah. which will will impact the customer anyway. So yeah. I can see the link there. I was just thinking about your comment about the the appeal for people who are techie and digital. Yeah. Is a really large part of your workforce digital tech people? Massively. Yeah. Wow. So what yes. does it look like? Am I picturing like a um, Google where it's um, very innovative and uh, uh, you know, people have got their headphones on and they're in yeah. their own space. Or am I picturing quite an outgoing social oh, it's community? A bit of a, what, what does it's it look like? It's a bit like? of a mix, actually. And we did some work um, oh, a number of years ago to understand, you know, what our value proposition is, why people came, yeah. and why people yeah. stayed in sports bet. And there was a couple of things that were that kind of were really outstanding in terms of why people came or wanted to join sports bet and why people stayed. And one was around. Um, ambition like they wanted to work for an organization that was ahead of its game and you know kind of striving to be number one they wanted to be developed in their roles mm -hmm. and see progression in their roles and felt sports bet was an organization that provide that challenging work to do that mm -hmm. and the last thing was fun and um <laughs> and that's kind of uh, it is within our dna and it's part of what a number of people see our brand and kind of associate that with fun as well yeah. however when we did this piece of work, it was interesting to understand that fun meant different things to different talent segments. So mm. for kind of our technologists and our analysts and our modelers, you know, fun was actually being exposed to new technologies, being given challenging problems that actually working on, on work that a lot of organisations aren't there mm. working mm -hmm. on yet. And then for other kind of segments, you know, in the marketing space, it was actually the culmination of joining their passion with their professional field and that was what fun was right, meant to them so right. a bit of a mix but I'd say you know a good 60% of our workforce is in a kind of technology analytical um, discipline yeah mm. so I'm thinking back to your comment about being customer obsessed yeah. and um, I'm you know what we often see organizations the evolution of HR 
changing, mm. as does the um, customer centricity of the organisation changes and their, how future focused they are about where they're going and what they need to do. Mm. And I'm thinking of being in a digital space. Do you want to talk to us a little bit about what the role of HR looks like now and where you see that might might shifting yeah. or the, the trends that you might see yeah. i'm just really interested in the yeah. insights around and I, look, i've been in hr for you know about 20 years now <laughs> let's say um so a little funny story i met someone the other day who had a, um, a long career and she said anyone if anyone asks her she says just 10 plus <laughs> she just puts plus yes yes, yes 10 might be. plus so you can you can grab that line it's, if it's anything over 10 it's 10 plus which yeah. could be could have been 35 for that's her right, that one like, might take yes, that line 10 now plus. <laughs> Um, so I've seen it. I've seen a little bit, and I've worked in different organisations where HR means different things to different mm-hmm. organisations. Um, mm. But I think in sports betting, certainly, you know what I see, um, you know, as HR is evolving in the market, is a function that is not just purely centred around people and what you're doing for the people in the organisation. It's about making sure you're helping the organisation to have the right culture, the right capabilities, the right capacity Mm -hmm. in terms of the right mix of um, talent in the business to deliver and enable the organisational strategy. And to be able to do that, HR professionals really need to understand the organisational strategy, actually need to be able to contribute to that strategy and help shape the organisation themselves, which is, uh, I feel... uh, a, a much different, you know, the, the kind of the skill set that sits behind it is a little bit different than maybe what Absolutely. A, a, it is in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, to to be able to do that and to be able to be successful and as a HR function and have impact in an organisation, you've got to be choiceful around what you focus on and what you don't. Like there's there's a hundred things you can focus on. Um, and it's almost overwhelming, a, isn't it? Yeah, in a HR agenda and you see all these, you know, really cool things that are happening externally. And that might be right for some organisations, but you've really got to understand what is right for your organisation and how do you focus on that. And actually, my husband's got me reading this book at the moment called um, Making Time. Now, I don't know whether it's a hint to make time for him. I don't know what it is. Are you saying that I'm unorganised? I'm not sure. But anyway, I'm reading this book and it's you can actually apply it at different levels. And, sure. you know, if you apply it, you know, I'm kind of thinking about it in my role and in my with my team and the function and what we're doing and um, for me it's really important that you you've, you can only have a few things that you can cre- create focus on to have impact there's a, like there's 50 things you can do that actually you probably you know yeah they need kind to kind of be, need to do need <laughs> to do but actually if you start just doing the things that you think really matter and are going to change and create impact those things that you kind of drop off behind, you know, you might get a few voices raised, oh, what's happening with that? Mm, but mm. actually people forget about them because of what they see the change is. And, you know, you've got to take your, your business on the journey of that. But um, certainly if I focused on the things that everyone raised to me, I would not do you it. You wouldn't we, get anything no. done. And yeah. we wouldn't change. Yeah. We would yeah. be in the We'd same position we were. We'd be led by our inbox, right? That's our right. Our inbox yeah. would drive our time and our behaviour. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I guess you, you know you hear about people talking about that all the time, but I think mm. for anyone leading a HR team that, you know, you need to choose your three or four priorities for the year and they're the things that you that, that are on your mind and you're focused on. 
you might have you know people in your team focusing on some of the operational things but they're the things that you really need to turn your head to mm. yeah. and what would that look like at sports bet are you happy to share or is yeah. this are you thinking of it from a, on a home front <laughs> no. the book. in my home dynamic what are my top three well at my work? <laughs> well actually on our way to work every day now he's like because one of the things is what's your highlight for the day the highlight being the thing that you're going to focus on that's mm-hmm. going to be the the big thing for the day so that is the conversation in the car on the way to work what's your highlight going to be um so um yeah but the priorities that that i guess you know things that keep me awake at night or things that i'm I'm focused on um one is our culture piece and really how how do we truly embed that and what do we need to do how do i help the leadership team and the leaders of sports bet um embed that and so kind of that leads to the, one of the second priorities of actually building leadership capability. So That's our huge. leaders are role one. models mm-hmm. for our culture. Mm-hmm. They are the ones that are going to um, insert the mechanics into how they go about managing their teams. So we need to build that capability with, with the leaders. Um, and also need them your... Have you given them that little golden tip as well about my, your my three? Making time. What are your making <laughs> time? What are your three, guys? You can see you've got a million things on your deck. What are your three? What's your one highlight? I think it would be really cool to start a meeting with that and say, yeah. of all the things that are on your plate, just pick the one. The, yeah. And look, I actually did Straight so with, with Barney, who's our CEO, um, I, we did that this year, kind of, what are the things, when I meet with him every fortnight to catch up, what are the things that we actually need to talk about? And... We know that there might be other things come up, but they're the things that I need to have a conversation with him about. He needs to be across or he needs to help. Yeah. Um, So actually, we might build that into our Mm, leadership development program. (laughs) (laughs) What are you you highlight? Um, But yeah, so leadership capability and actually thinking about that into the future is also not just Mm. building capability now, but how we're building that succession Mm. um, Mm. as we move forward. the other one, uh, the, uh, kind of four that, that I'm focused on, the um, other one is around how we're reshaping the organisation to help transition and move into the future. So how are we working in and leveraging global as we can? How are we making sure that our, you know, our structures and the alignment of what people are focused on align to the strategy? Because um, it can get lost as a- it goes, you know, absolutely. layer down, layer down, layer down. You get to four layers down and it's not so, aligned. How yeah. do you keep that alignment? Yeah, yeah. Yep. And again, so with our team members to help make it simple for them because they can get Mm, kind of confused around all of the priorities as we do after we've kind of revised and refreshed our strategy, our annual strategy, we have at the end of each year, start of December, it's called Smash It for Six. Mm -hmm. We take a day, tools down for everyone, make sure people understand the organisational strategy, their department strategy, and they spend that day defining what their six top goals are for the year. That's it. They just have six, or maximum of six goals for the year, and they go into the next year with that really clearly like um, aligned. So that really helps that kind of connection between mm. the strategy and what they're going to do as an individual to influence mm. that. And then the last one for me is really around kind of capability and kind of talking about the, the type of talent that we require in our business to support our strategy. You know, some of those are areas that are emerging and the demand for that talent and the supply of that talent doesn't, it's you know, challenging. is yeah. challenging. So how we're building that internally to make sure that we have that as yeah. we, we move forward and how making sure that we're mobilising it in the right place at the right time and be able to shift and, and flex our workforce to support that as well. Mm. So what do you think that the 
that HR will look like that's different in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years yeah. with the future work piece that's coming? What do you see? I mean, you've mentioned one, which being strategy, bis- yeah. HR business partners or um, HR people being having a, a stronger grip on what strategy looks like to align themselves. But what do you see as other things that HR professionals need to think about? For, yeah, for and I think, you know, to be able to do that, one of the things is to understand what can be automated and, mm. you know, what processes can be streamlined and, and overlaid with some type of automation. I think that that's going to be a challenging thing for HR to balance that, that kind of tension of efficiency and you know, Control. people, yeah, and, and people, the, the things that actually require people engagement face-to-face and, you know, I think, you ta- you know, you take the recruitment process as an example of kind of how we've, that's evolving and has evolved and, and I think there's so many uh, beneficial things that have happened over the last couple of years with the implementation of different systems and, and different kind of AI that, that's helping um expediate some of the processes around recruitment however there's that fine line which kind of falls over we actually just had a a conversation with my team yesterday around our process and kind of we we did what's called a reflect learn improve what's working what's not working and you know we'd implemented a number of things that helped us kind of filter down through with technology to get a really sharp candidate pool and so by the time we get to the manager it's really quite tight but actually when we mapped it out it was like a candidate doesn't have a a human touch point until well within the process Mm. and how do we feel Mm. about that and Mm. so I think that that whilst there's massive benefits with Mm. um, what systems can do to to help create efficiencies in in HR there's kind of that balance and, and line between I completely agree. Sitting in that recruitment and HR space, I completely agree. And we've been led uh, um, uh, by the the broader Randstad business, Randstad Mm. being the largest Mm. recruitment company in the world, and we're sitting as a uh, boutique in the HR space, but we can leverage what the broader Randstad business brings. One of the things that they have that I love is they call it a tech and touch strategy. So whenever we introduce a tool that's technology and we're encouraged to find ways to create efficiency, um, and to, to talent pool better mm. and to pipeline better and to engage candidates better. But any time that there's a tech implementation of some sort, then where does the touch go so, up? Yeah. Because the higher the tech goes, the higher the touch goes because then your your opportunity, because your, your touch time is shorter, your opportunity to have impact is shorter. Yeah. So by the time a candidate talks to someone, they need a brilliant experience yeah whereas previously they may have dealt with three different people before they sit in front of the hiring manager yeah and so they've got three different versions and impacts on culture and who who the business is and what that's going to mean for their career now they might get one yeah and so how do we increase that touch to be even better and it's the same for customers if we put a million um, improvements into technology well then how do we get better quality time with the customer not just less, but the time we have has got to be better, yeah. better time. Yeah. So it's been really good for us and we encourage our customers too. There's so many tech tools that we use and uh, Randstad can resell a whole stack of the tools too, but it's it's really talking to the customer about where's the high value piece in that recruitment chain yeah. and where are the pieces that you just can't afford to pull out or to reduce touch Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it is interesting. And, um, yeah, so I think that's one of the things that kind of as mm. kind of – HR teams are reshaping. It's something that we need to be um, mindful of. And I think it pro- this probably goes to kind of the strategic component of, of what we do within HR is 
you know, for what purpose are we doing things? And, and you know, you kind of, maybe it was before we, we went live <laughs> with this, but we were talking about before, um, you know, doing surveys and, you know, getting people's feel of how they feel about an organisation. And that is one thing, and it is important. You want people to come in and enjoy what they do, but for what purpose are you doing something in an organisation? And it, it is, you know, there is a whole heap of research around... Um, engaged employees, you know, the service profit chain around, mm -hmm. you know, having engaged employees, which links to great customer outcomes, which links to greater profit and um, shareholder value, which is very relevant. But what um, engagement is a whole range of things. It's not just it making is, an, a yeah. team member happy. It's it's about how they connect to the customer, how they understand the outcomes that they're delivering, and you know how you support them in doing that. So I think, in some ways. The engagement, um, the focus on engagement has been lost in, in some companies yes. around what what you need to be focusing on. I think mm. HR teams just need to be mindful of that. Mm. What do you think, um, uh, kind of in your experience with um, meeting a whole range of HR mm. professionals out there, they're looking for in a job, in a, in a HR mm. From a candidate arena. perspective. From a candidate, yeah. yeah, sure. Um, I think it's changing. I think it, it's... Um, it's much more about opportunistic, what can I learn here? What can this role bring mm. me? Um, whereas I think that previously it was about, I really need a really good role that's going to be yeah. stable with a you know, great employer and I'll be grateful to be there for yeah. um, you know, long tenure like you and I, six mm. and eight years in a business. Whereas I think people are getting itchy feet within 18 months if mm. the, the part of their toolkit that they wanted to evolve while in that business hasn't been evolved. Yeah. So I think they need to feel valued. Um, I think they need to feel that the organisation is aligned from a value perspective. Mm. So that's, you talked about mm. with Sportsbet, people joining the business who really can intrinsically align to what mm. it is that you're doing. And that's getting stronger and stronger for people as they become more, use the word mindful before, yeah. that mindfulness piece is yeah. um, really becoming a really big part of our culture. So I think, um, there's a little bit more what's in it for me than there has been before. Yeah. What does this mean for my career? What does this mean for the next step for me? Is this role going to link to the next step? Or what about the role ahead of that? Maybe I need to think two years out. So it, it's... Yeah. Um, Which is not really different to any other discipline that we kind of look at. As, and it's, you know, yeah. for us, development is such a big part of our proposition and what people yeah. are expecting in an organisation. So that, you know, they want to go and you know there's obviously people think of progression through vertical promotions and vertical mm -hmm. moves but there's a big part for us around the skills that people develop and how yes. they're yeah. the work that they're working on and what that's providing them to stretch and extend and grow themselves which is just yeah. as important as that Absolutely. you know with the view that actually they'll do that here but then their next kind of vertical progression may be outside of the business mm. um you know, before pre-GSFC, we saw um, it all being about vertical moves for people. Mm. And then post-GSC, when people started to think about, well, whole layers were pulled out of organisations, yeah. um, whole businesses were acquired and downsized or disappeared, yeah. um, salaries were tightened up, people were triple hatting instead of double hatting or yeah. single hatting. What people started to do was, like, what's my sideways move now? Yeah. And I had an interesting discussion just with a customer recently around people moving industry. Mm. Why would they keep moving industry like that? Yeah. Well, that's about how, how do I um, sharpen my tools or yeah. how do I grow my toolkit without the vertical move yeah. right now? 
and so people are much more flexible about moving sideways similar role in health and then a similar role in prof services and then yeah. a similar role in digital and their their commercial abilities their commercial skills change depending on the industry they're in mm. so um, from a client perspective it's actually interesting in being able to point out to them the difference between a, an hr practitioner who's been in public sector and private sector that that gap is narrowing now because of businesses needing to do things differently yeah. um, and just to be really flexible around what industry somebody has been in and what that's given them that yeah. will bring to the table for the new organization i yeah. think that's been really interesting yeah. there's been i think there's perceptions that are uh, are just getting busted very quickly yeah. around some industries and what that means. Yeah. Um, but candidates from a from candidate perspective, there's much more what's in it for me now than ever. Yeah. And I, I have I've even changed the way that I would coach um, a senior candidate in choosing the next role. Mm. It's it's once upon a time the role came first. So what's the role that you want? What does that look like? Yeah. That's now third on my list. The ah. first one is do you align to the organisation? Yes. What what does the organisation do? Is that a value fit for you? Are you going to be inspired by that? Because yeah. it actually matters. Um, so have a look at organisation and what their mission and vision is, and yeah. um, and that links to culture. Actually, people will ring me and say, "Hi, have you heard of Business X before?" Yes. Yeah. What's the culture like in there yeah. now? And it might not be a role that we're recruiting for, yeah. but they'll ring us because we just get so many insights into yeah. so many businesses. And the second one is the manager fit. So have a look at the person who you're going to report through to. They'll have a look at them on LinkedIn and have a look at their background and who do they know that's worked for that person before because you can have a great organisation and great role but be reporting into the leader who's not going to give you the stretch, not going to give you the opportunity and that's not the right choice. So if you can line up those first two, the organisation and the value fit to the and culture fit to that organisation and yourself, followed by the right leader, the third thing is the role. (laughs) So what's the actual role again? Yeah. So I think that's changing too when people are being so much more mindful about their next move being holistically this has got to work yeah. for my whole life. Yeah. Um, think of my dad's era for example. You just join an organisation and you work your way in there yeah. for 30 years. We have that many changed. team members in, in the business like that make those internal moves. So they are sideways moves but you know in slight, slightly outside the area of discipline mm. and um, you know, I think it's great to have the opportunity to do that because it's you know very hard you know for someone to move professions kind of from organisation to organisation, but to be able to do it internally, um, you know, you just get that yeah. you know extra feather in your cap around what you can do, yeah, and absolutely. you know for a bit for the business as well, just having someone from a different part of the business and their perspective from that part to go into a, a different department or functional area is really valuable. Mm. Yeah. I think what's interesting about that is that as people move and they experience new leaders and a new part of an organisation, um, they will be they'll think twice about hopping organisations mm-hmm. because they, oh maybe there'll be another opportunity in here because I love it here because the business aligns, yeah. the leaders here that aligns, mm-hmm. and then let me find another role. So it, I think it will help businesses with retention, particularly yeah. when people are moving eighteen months to two years. We, now. we have this program called it's called Job Swingers, um, oh. and it started actually started. A department within the business um, kind of came up with it and it was on the back of kind of an engagement survey that we'd done and um, essentially it is someone can has an opportunity to go into another role for up to three months so leave their current role jump into another role and experience that and like it's a meaningful job um, to do that and we've had you know a number over the last three years of people that just to get an experience in another function that's their way of either gaining new skills or understanding 
what it is that they can do outside of their their role. But um, and that's worked quite well. Yeah, it is. Like people love the program. Um, you know, some challenges in terms of getting it set up and the process yeah, right, sure. and yeah. not. Um, but you know, we're, we're um, we've got it to a point now where um, you know roles are actually now advertised like a normal role, but it's actually a job swimmer role. So and is it a secondment, so a shorter period so of time? So it's yeah, it's kind of, you know there's a differentiation between the secondment and um, and a job swinger where um, it is for up to three months is the maximum right. time for. Job which I really like because yeah. then it means that the manager doesn't have to go through the I'm letting this person go yeah. forever piece and they might not come back okay. three yeah. months is a defined window and they can manage that yeah <laughs> whereas um yeah often leaders get nervous about letting their people go for 12 months so, of climate yeah. knowing they probably won't come yeah back. yeah I really like that I think it's really creative yeah that's really cool very cool and I think we've covered everything yeah. The only, yeah, the other thing was kind of with that change piece is I talked to, touched a little bit on um, kind of leadership capability, but I think it's really important, you know, as we think about kind of changing environment in a digital space where you've got technologies changing, you've got customer expectations changing, a whole range of things that um, leaders need to be able to lead in a way that enables that change. And I think it's challenging, you know, we spoke about all the things that, a leader needs to do and um, it's not just you know we, we spoke probably a number of years ago helping people become resilient to change and build up their resilience but actually the role of a leader now is to agitate for that change for their team members and encourage them to create the change themselves and you know the ask of a leader to not only kind of deliver in the moment and meet their performance kind of objectives and goals in current year but actually think about the future is another kind of you know layer upon which we uh, need to make sure that we're supporting building capability for them to do that mm. and I think you know especially in our business where you know things do change rapidly and we need to be looking further out than just the, the next horizon and you know leaders cannot just wait till something happens they've got to be asking the question question continually to their team members how can we do this differently? You know, what what about what that competitor's doing, and how can we think about that in a different mm. way? So I think just you know, understanding the complexity of the role that a leader's role is for HR is kind of what role do we need to play in making sure that we're we're kind of building leaders for the future. Mm. So mm. I'm hearing that that's change capability, that's um, uh, you know linked to your customer obsession, obsession. piece around yeah. what do we need to do right now to make a customer happy now and then yeah. three weeks time now because the customer's needs change yeah. um, particularly in the digital space that moves so fast but also then how do you support the leaders through their own change yeah um, and I've seen over the years and you've probably seen this too that HR people often get the least support through their own change yeah. because you're constantly sitting with a business doing change in the middle of like the, you're sitting in the centre of the restructure and the OT and the redundancies and reshaping and the support that you would give to your leadership team to help them through change, which is from scripting their discussions through to how do they feel about it and where are they on the emotional journey, how often does HR get that yeah. support when they're in the middle of the change? Yeah, yeah it is often the, the conversation that we have. Yeah. And we do, you know, check in, like, are we, you know, are we not the... Um, you know the carpenters family <laughs> where my dad was actually a carpenter and or a builder and you know our house was the one that was always just still needed that thing to be fixed or <laughs> but um 
you know, I think it is something that you need to be conscious of as you're leading a HR team. Yeah. Are, you know, are you developing your team as much as you're de- developing the rest of the organisation? Yeah. Um, and are you creating the time for that to yeah. happen as well? And what support do you need to yeah. facilitate that change for, for many others? Because I yeah. think it does often... This, um, the HR role really is a business role in so many ways. Yeah. It just happens to be called HR. Yeah. But you've really got to know everything right. that business leaders know and sit on the edge of that and coach them whilst facilitating a change. It's just, it actually is really big. I had the privilege of seeing that. I worked on the Origin Energy Transformation Team yeah. when they outsourced for the first time, which is a huge deal yeah. for Origin to outsource. And yeah, I just saw how HR was involved in every little piece and we had to support each other. So yeah. at the end of the day, if someone was in tears, that's okay because they've had a rough day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, a, if a line manager was upset, we would be there to support them all the way through, but we had to support each other as a really close-knit community. Yeah. Um, I think there were like 15 of us on the change team, but there was we had to just support each other because yeah. of so much change and stress and other people's anxieties found their way through to yeah. us and we were meant to support yeah. them and hold their hand. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it is interesting though how organisations start to move through that. Well, you know, once they've started some change and you get to build the capability with leaders where it's actually a normal daily question around how can we do this differently, mm. which is a change. And if you do those small incremental changes, I think businesses become... Well, certainly I feel, you know, in sports, but in the time that I've been there, actually it, it kind of happens without too much mm-hmm. angst or, or stress around it. And, you know, there's constant movement. And so I think that's just, you know, most mm-hmm. organisations will mm-hmm. be moving in that in mm-hmm. that way. And I think that, it, that perhaps you talked about um, preparing your HR people for the future. Mm. I think that would be something we would need to support them with for the future as well. How do we build not only their change capability, mm-hmm. but their... Um, resilience and how to support each other better through such significant um, change yeah I think that would be something we need to think about yeah along with everything else we need to think Um. about right Liz (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming in I really appreciate your time today and again the generosity of giving your time we know that in roles like you have it's incredibly busy and there's a lot of things to juggle and you'll have to tell your husband on the way home that the yeah. highlight today the My thing husband. I needed to get done was a podcast with HR <laughs> and I had fun doing it and that's the thing about highlights you they're not just horrible tasks they're things you really want to do awesome. well thank you it's been a pleasure to, to yeah. meet you and to spend time with you today I really really appreciate it um, and I'm sure that our listeners will be able to pick up a few little nuggets of things that they can think about for themselves or even just broaden their own perspective on what might be going on in another organisation right now um, for them to think about as they go through their own journey. So thank you so much for your sharing. No, thank you for having me. And we hope to have you back sometime soon. Great. Thank you. See you.